G'day friends, welcome back. Da Five Bloods is a new um, Spike Lee movie. Well, it's about two months ago it got uploaded onto Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, it stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, and Chadwick Boseman, which is the reason I decided to review it uh, this week. I had wanted to watch it since it came out, but uh, given... Chadwick Boseman lost his battle with uh, colon cancer during the week. I thought I would watch it, and I'm so glad I did. It's so damn good. Let's get into it. before I get into this. Firstly, uh, this is this is a new Spike Lee movie, right? He, once again, has his finger right on the pulse of America. He, he obviously is doing this off the back of Black Klansman uh, a few years ago, which was very uh, potent. Uh, it, was, it was brilliant, but very potent. And, and this movie is coming out, well, it came out about two months ago, which was right after... Obviously, all the all the big Black Lives Matter protests and the um, George Floyd stuff was going on. So very, very topical and very, very on point for uh, for this year. So if you're interested in watching it, it, it is about race and it's about these um, African American Vietnam vets going back to Vietnam. Um, if you're interested in watching it, go and watch it before you listen to this, because it's a really special movie, and there will be spoilers. That's the second thing. Spoilers, obviously. I always say that. There will be spoilers for this. And uh, the third thing I want to say is uh, just just be aware before you watch this movie. It's, it is... Uh, how would I describe what I'm trying to warn you about? It is very confronting. It's got lots of archive photos and footage of things from the Vietnam War. Things, some things I had seen, some things I had not seen. Um, if you're not too interested in seeing some, like, there, there is, for instance, footage of people being killed, like, quite violently, like, real footage of real people being killed. If you're not interested in seeing that, you can skip this movie, Okay. If it's going to upset you, that's fine. It does have a bit of that. And there's some other things like there's, uh, there, there is, for instance, a photo of a baby that's been quite brutally murdered, which isn't that pleasant to look at. But it's, you know, it's also, you know, important given what the story's about that those things are shown. And Spike Lee does like to do that. We also, we had a lot of that um, footage at the end of uh, Black Klansman of, I forget what city, it might have been Charlottesville, of all the the rioting and people being run over by cars. We had that at the end of Black Landsman. So he does like to have these um, parts of the film with 
real footage that's quite confronting. So be aware of that before you watch the film. So all that being said, this this movie was sublime. I would not quite say it is as good as Black Klansman, but it is very close. This movie's really, really good. There is something about Spike Lee's films, especially Reese. I haven't seen much of his older stuff. Like he did Malcolm X and a couple of other films in this in the similar in the same vein. Um, he's very, very watchable. It's very, very watch. He's he's a little bit like um. Excuse me. He's a little bit Tarantino-like, and he's sort of he's got he's got a very unique style that is very watchable. I really really like watching his films lately. So, what's the film about? So the film is about four uh, African American Vietnam vets going back to Vietnam in the present day, set in the present day, um, to find the remains of their fifth blood so they call themselves the five bloods um so they're their fifth the fifth member of their you know um regiment or whatever fifth i don't know what to call it fifth friend of theirs they're, they're going back to find his remains uh, as well as a big case of gold that they buried while they were in vietnam um so You've got the four, so they're all, the four guys are obviously all elderly. Uh, They're played by Delroy Lindo, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, and uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And then the fifth member is played in flashbacks by Chadwick Boseman. Right? So there's your characters. Uh, And you've also got uh, Jonathan Majors, who is... Uh, the son of Delroy Lindo's character, he tags along as well. So they're all there, right? What's this movie about? It 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 is about as Spike Lee movies often are. It's about race. It is about equality. It's a it, the thing I think it is most about is it's it, it is an insight into PTSD through a very specific lens, the lens of a you know, a black Vietnam vet. There's an interesting stat that we find out in the film. So uh, during the Vietnam War, or it might even be, yeah, it was during the Vietnam War, uh, African-Americans made up 11% of the population of the United States, but they made up 32% of the the people fighting in Vietnam. So there was a disproportionate amount of African Americans fighting in the war to what there was actually represented in the population. The Vietnam War was a, a war that America should never have even been fighting in. And then all these black soldiers were sent to fight for a country that doesn't even consider them like full people. You know, this this was still the time when, you know, they had to set up the back of the bus and they had their own bathrooms. You know, this all this was still happening in parts of America, at least, when they were being sent off to fight in a war in more numbers than you would think is fair, right? So it, it sort of looks at PTSD through that lens, 
which is very, very interesting. Um, and how the movie works is really cool. So I was talking about um, this sort of unique directing style of Spike Lee. What's unique about this movie is the different aspect ratios that it's shot in, right? So you've got the, sort of the three settings of the film. When they first arrive, they're just in Ho Chi Minh City, all the old fellas, right? And in that setting, you've got sort of the standard uh, widescreen letterbox sort of look with the, the black bars. I don't know exactly what the numbers are for that aspect ratio, but the black bars on the top and the bottom, the very movie looking aspect ratio, right? And then when they go out to venture into the jungle to find what they're looking for, the aspect ratio changes to the full screen, right? There's no bars on the top or the bottom or the sides. It takes up the whole screen, right? Which is what we're seeing more and more lately, especially given this is a Netflix film, right? And then part of the film is all these flashbacks where we cut back to them in Vietnam with Chadwick Boseman's character. And all of that is shot in, I think it's four by three, where it's like a square. So you've got the two bars on the sides of the screen. And it's also shot on 16 millimeter film, which gives it that really grainy look. And it looks like all the footage you see from the Vietnam War. Do you get what I mean? So when, like when you watch that old footage, it's got that look. It's got that grainy look, right? And when we have these flashbacks, it looks exactly like that. So it looks as though you're watching more archival footage, which I think is really, really cool. So let's talk a little bit about the story and how it sort of unfolds, right? You got these old guys, you got, who have you got? You got Paul, uh, Melvin, Otis. What's the other dude's name? I feel while I quickly look it up. Eddie. So you've got Paul, Otis, Melvin, and Eddie, right? And then David is Paul's son, right? So they're going out into the jungle to look for Chadwick Boseman's character's remains, whose name is uh, Norman. They call him Stormin Norman because he was apparently the, the perfect soldier. He was like the best soldier the army had ever seen. He's this perfect... Oh, I should say that as well. So, the film opens with a little clip uh, of Muhammad Ali uh, expressing his problems with the Vietnam War, and it closes with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I think doing the same, or, you know, giving a similar kind of speech. So you've got the you've got the fighter and then you've got like the the sort of peaceful man, right? Even though Ali was about peace as well, but he was a fighter by trade, obviously. And then this is represented in the film by probably our two main characters. Chadwick Boseman's character, Norman, is all about love and peace and forgiveness, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know what a burp just feels really good? Anyway, um, yeah, so Norman is all just about, you know, he's just like the, the 
perfect, genuine human. Yeah, he wants everyone to get along. He doesn't want to have vengeance in his heart or anything like that. That's what he's all about. So he he is very um, Dr. King, right? And then you've got Paul's character, right? Played by Delroy Lindo, who I'm going to get into in a second because he's so fucking awesome in this role. He's the fighter, right? He So his character is the one with PTSD, right? And it is affecting him. It is crippling for him as a person, right? He's very aggressive. He's very on edge. He's very paranoid. He's the fighter, okay? Um, so how the story goes, they are sort of traveling through Vietnam. They've got this tour guide who's sort of leading them part of the way. They travel along the river. Um, oh, there's this scene where they're on one of those river markets and this guy is trying to sell uh, Paul's character, the character with PTSD. He's just trying to sell him a chicken, right? He's, he, at first, he tries his best to be polite. He's like, no, no, no. And the guy just keeps pressing him. So Paul gets very agitated. He gets angry. He starts shouting at him. And there's this big argument. Everyone, there's like, everywhere they go in the early part of the film before they get into the jungle, they, they see the remnants of the war. Like there's still lots, like they're in this restaurant and this kid comes over to them just asking them for money. He's just got this tin can. This money, money, money. And he, he only has one leg. Right? He's, he's got a crutch and he's hobbling over. He's on the one leg. And that, that could be for a couple of reasons. It could be from Agent Orange. A lot of kids are born in Vietnam with lots of problems because there's still Agent Orange just in the ground and it gets into the water and kids are born with horrible defects and all that. Or it could also be that he stood on a landmine. There are still lots of unexploded landmines all over Vietnam, and that comes up, that comes into play later in the film. Believe you me, so that they 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 and like a lot of people are still like they see them, they call them like black GIs and all this sort of stuff. A lot of people are unhappy with them. This dude at the at the um, the river market that Paul has an argument with. He says, you killed my father and my mother. He doesn't mean him specifically, but you Americans killed my parents, like that kind of thing. So there's lots of people who still have a lot of animosity towards them, and rightly so, obviously. Um, yeah, so they sort of move through, this is in southern Vietnam, and then they get to the jungle, right? Um, once they... Once they get out into the jungle, you really kind of start to see what the PTSD is doing to Paul. I'm going to... Okay, so this is where I'll talk about Delroy Lindo's performance. If you don't know who that is by his name, that's fair. Uh, he, he he's, he's one of those actors who you would recognize if you saw his face, but no one knows his name. He's been in a few things... That was sort of, he was in um, Broken Arrow back in the 90s. He was in Sahara, which is a movie I watched a lot as a kid. Um, so he's recognisable, but he is not a big-name actor. He is going to be a big-name actor now. This, this performance will absolutely lock him in for, at the least, an Oscar nomination. It could, like, like, technically, you could probably put him down as the main character in the film, 
I don't, like, it depends what the field is like in that category for the Academy Awards. So they may nominate him for a supporting role. It's hard to say. But you could nominate him in either supporting or leading, and he, he would be well worthy of that. Like, I, I don't know... I obviously don't... I've never had PTSD. I don't know anyone personally who has had PTSD. But there is something really, really real and powerful and heartbreaking and moving about his performance in this film. So, his character was... So Paul was the one who was closest to Norman, the friend that they lost, Chadwick Boseman's character. They they were the closest. And he is the one most interested in finding Norman's remains, right? He he really wants to get out like while he's very Oh, excuse me. While he's very interested in finding the gold, as they all are, he, he really wants to find Norman's remains. Right? And we find out that the reason for that is that he accidentally killed him with friendly fire, right? A secret which he has kept to himself. None of his friends know. They all think he was just KIA, right? He, we see him tell them that. Interesting thing about the flashback scenes, all, all of the actors that we see in the present day section of the film... They, they just play themselves in the past. No de-aging or anything like that. No recasting. They just play themselves alongside Chadwick Boseman, who is obviously younger than they are, and playing, you know, himself at the age where he, that he actually is in the flashback scenes. I think that's done just so we don't have to waste any time in those flashback scenes figuring out who is who, which I'm actually, I really, really appreciate. Like, do you ever see that in a film? Like, there'll be, there'll be two timelines. You might have the present and then, like, flashbacks. And when you have flashback, a flashback scene, you're like, all right, is that guy that dude? Oh, wait, no. Wait, what was his name again? Like, oh, that's him. Like, you don't have to do any of that. Because the actors are the same, which I, which I actually really like. And I think it really works. It also, I, oh, it's actually could also be that it's like they never really could leave. They never, like, got past the wall, but they're still there. Oh, that sounds way better. I'm going to go with that. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, fuck. What was I saying? Yeah, anyway, so we see him uh, tell his friends that he was KIA, and then a little bit later we actually see the scene where he accidentally kills Chadwick Boseman's character, and that is obviously the main cause, the main reason why his PS PTSD is so severe. But it's 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 really sad to see what it does to people. Like when the scene on the water market or the river market, where he's shouting at the guy, he has a complete he has a panic attack. He has like a breakdown. And the other guys, they're trying to calm him down. They're like, "It's all right, dude. It's okay." And then he starts he's crying, and no, you don't understand, you know. You don't have the dreams like I do. Like, you don't see the ghosts. You don't see, you know, the people we killed or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we do, man. We do. We know. And he's like, you know. So, they're, 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 like, they're saying that, you know, we're your friends. 
We know what you're going through. You know, it's obviously worse for Paul. It is affecting him deeply, whereas the others are probably able to cope with it a little bit better and able to just, you know, live relatively normal lives without it affecting them. But they get it. And that seems like, like, there's actually a mention that I think, I think one of the guys, I think Otis is telling David, Paul's son, like, how his dad was before. He's like, your dad was a great guy right up until um, Norman got killed. Because he was never like this before Norman died. So, you can see, like, that is the moment that just ruined the rest of Paul's life. And, like, this indication of alcohol abuse and he wasn't a good dad. And he actually, David's mum died in childbirth, you find that out. So he's just had a shit life ever since he accidentally killed his friend. But his Delroy Lindo's performance is so good. Like there are there are scene there are you know stretches where everything's okay. He's very calm. He's just like one of the guys. They can have a laugh. But then like something will happen and he will just freak out for like what would seem to us like no reason. And you're just like, oh, shit, like, you, you just remember for a second what he's going through. Like, oh, this guy's not, you know, feeling okay. Like, there's something really, really wrong inside of him. Um, so they get into the jungle. They do find the gold. They do find Norman, um, which is really nice. They, they pack up all the gold. Oh, I should say, so, obviously, <laughs> if a bunch of, you know, Americans in their, you know, 70s or whatever went out into the jungle in Vietnam and tried to take, there's a lot, this is like, they're like gold bars, they're like a shitload of gold bars, right, and they just try to take them back to America, everyone be like, what the fuck are you doing, you can't have this, or like, where did you get this, why do you have this, why is it in this form, right? So they're trying to organise at the start of the film to have it converted into money using this, I think he's like some kind of like underworld banker or some kind of goldsmith, I don't know. Um, but he's played by that French actor, not Gerard Depardieu, the other one, the one that's in like the Da Vinci Code and stuff like that. I forget his name, but... Um, yeah, so he plays this sort of guy who's going to help them with their gold and turn it into cash that they can take back, right? Um, and it, it turns out that he actually double-crosses them. He hires this militia to follow them and take the gold from them once they've found it. So they find the gold, they take it back to their little camp... And they sort of start getting at each other's throats, right? They're like, you know, you know, Paul, you know, sort of the hothead. He's like, you know, David's come all the way out here with us. He helped us. He should get a share. And the guys are like, oh, well, yeah, it's all like, yeah, I guess. And, you know, they sort of have a little bit of a disagreement where they don't need to. And then, um, oh, it's not Melvin. It's the uh, Eddie, Eddie. 
Eddie sort of starts to go on this rant about, you know, how, oh God, like the money's not really important. What's important is that we came back and that we're all here together. We should be out. We shouldn't like let it, you know, tear us apart. We should just be able to divide it up happily and, and all that. And he's sort of going on this rant and he's taking a couple of steps back and he steps on a landmine and he gets blown up. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, the movie's pretty... Apart from, like, the PTSD stuff that's been pretty obvious, it's been pretty harmless up until this point. You haven't, you know, seen anything terribly violent except for, like, the archive footage that we get at the beginning. Like, nothing bad really happened to any of the characters. There's out of nowhere one of them's dead, and it is so gruesome and sad because it just blows his like bottom half off and he's alive for a couple of seconds after he's just screaming it's so shit it is so because and it's like because it's real that happens i like people get their legs blown off in vietnam still today just walking through the jungle because they're everywhere the mines are fucking everywhere it's so scary and there's these this group of um people who they meet back in one of the towns at the start who specialize in getting rid of these uh, undetonated landmines. They go around looking for them and they get get rid of them so it can be safer for people. And uh, after the first one goes... Spoiler, there's more than one. After the first one goes off, they show up as David stands on another one. Except he doesn't lift his foot off. He just hears the click and, he's, and he freezes. Right? And this is where you get to see Paul just for a second go into, like, dad mode. Right? He's, he's not the, you know, he's not the nicest guy because of his PTSD, but he still loves his son deep down. And this is one of the couple of times we get to see it. He, he becomes a very effective leader. He's like, right, everyone just, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to save my son? He's talking to these um, mine expert people and they're like, we don't know. Once once someone has stood on a mine, we don't know how to like save them. And then he remembers this way that they saved a dude back when they were in Vietnam, this guy that stood on a mine. It's actually quite clever. They They tie a rope around his son's waist they all stand back a bit. So there's, you know, I think there's, well, there must be, f- there's six of them holding the rope and they all pull the rope together as he steps off the mine. And apparently how landmines work is they explode straight up into the air. They don't explode like outwards, right? So he gets yanked off the mine very quickly by six people and he's able to survive thank god for that right but this is the point where it all really starts to fall apart because like after that paul like ties up all the people who came and helped them because now they know about the gold and then the militia shows up and there's more arguments one of the one of the guys one of the mine people like he runs off and he steps on a mine and gets blown up. Every, people just start dying all of a sudden, which I think which I think is kind of the point. Like 
in the end, only one of the four guys actually... Otis is the only one left alive at the end of it. Because it ends in this big shootout where the, the French guy shows up with, you know, dozens of dudes with AK-47s and they're trying to kill them all to take the gold and all that. But there's this one... So, after a few people have been shot and that, you know, the mine guy got blown up by the mine. Um, Paul has another sort of breakdown. Um, David actually gets shot in the knee, but that doesn't matter to Paul. He just wants to take his gold and leave. The other's like, no, we've got a plan. We're going to, you know, you know, try and take them on. We're gonna, you know, these are all army guys, so they sort of know what they're doing. It's like, we're going to go to these ruins that are not far away on the map. We'll set up and we'll take them on. Peter says, no, nah, fuck you, I'm out of here. He just has another breakdown. So he wanders off into the jungle on his own. And while he's in the jungle, he gets bitten by a snake. And due to the snake bite, it's not fatal, but due to the snake bite, he hallucinates and he sees Norman. And at first he says, go away, dude. Why are you here? I don't want to see you. Like, he's not interested in confronting what happened. But then, then, you know, Chagwick Bozeman says to him, you know, it's all right. It was an accident. Because that's, that's what his character was all about. Forgiveness. You know, everything's cool. It's okay. You know, love and all that, right? And they have this hug, this hallucinated hug. And, and you, you kind of think that it's actually sort of indicated in a letter that Paul uh, leaves for David at the end of the film that Paul went to Vietnam with some intention of dying while he was there, you know, which could be some of the reason why he was behaving the way he was, while he was being very aggressive to lots of people, like he wanted to be killed or to die in some way, right? That's probably why he went off into the jungle on his own, right? He... So he, he, he makes up, he, he, you know, in his mind, he's forgiven by Norman because he knows deep down that Norman would have absolutely forgiven him for, for accidentally shooting him, right? It was an accident, complete accident, right? So Norman would have understood. So he has this moment and then some of the militia find him with his gold and they kill him so brutally and it is easily the saddest of all the deaths in the movie because he, he just got his little bit of redemption like you know what is it like 50 years since they were there and he's just finally been able to get past it he had to go back and relive some horrible shit and work through it he finally you know gets past it and then like they, they've got him at gunpoint trying to get him to tell them where the others are and he won't do it they've got him digging his own grave and then they all just fit like five dudes they just fill him with bullets and it is so sad because he's just he's singing this song about love or forgiveness or something and he's you know you can tell he's you know he seems genuinely happy he's not you know 
there's no animosity towards these guys that he's got. And then they just kill him. And it's just not fair. Ugh. Like, that's a really, really sad way to end your life. Really, really sad. It's the most powerful thing in the film, I think. And it leads us into the climax where we've got all our, you know, main characters set up in these ruins. And the French guy with his militia coming to steal their gold. There's this shootout. Um, Melvin, one of the other old fellas, he jumps on a grenade to save Otis. And then he dies. He actually says earlier in the film, I think he might have been one of the flashbacks, actually, that he would jump on a grenade. No, he makes a joke. That's right. They're talking about jumping on a grenade and Melvin goes, oh, I wouldn't jump on a grenade for any of you idiots, you know, something like that. And then he actually does end up doing it, um, you know, which leaves just Otis. And he survives and David survives and two of the, um, two of the mine experts survive. And, and they divvy up the gold in different ways. They, they, the, the mine experts have this organization, which is, you know, for, you know, clearing up old mines. So they donate some money to that. They donate some money to a Black Lives Matter group. Um, they donate money to, I think, um, Paul's, no, yeah. No, because his wife's dead. Someone's wife, one of the other guys' wife. I can't remember. I really want to watch it again because I think I'll take it. Actually, that's one thing I'll say about the movie that is it's flaw. It's very long. Very, it's probably 15 minutes longer. It's two and a half hours long. And while there is a lot in there that should be in it, it's probably 15 minutes of just filler, which it could have done without. So it's really hard to take it all in in one sitting because you're like, oh, it's still going. Like the first half kind of drags on. And once they find the gold, it gets a lot more exciting. Cheap. Yeah, it's just a little bit too long. Um, yeah, they, they divvy up the gold and and that's it. And and it, you're sort of just left... I don't know. It is a happy ending because everyone, you know, everyone gets a bit of the money and, and you get the letter that was left by Paul. Um, you sort of know that he intended to die because he wrote the letter for his son while they were in uh, Ho Chi Minh City. He wrote the letter and he gave it to Otis. And it says, you know, open on the event of my death or whatever. So he, he knew when he was there that he may not, yeah, that he may die in one way or another. Um, he's a really, really interesting character. Really, I really hope he gets the notoriety he deserves come, come award season because he's really, really good. He, he, he's, he's a interesting, he's a right wing character. He's a Trump supporter. He, excuse me, he wears a, you know, there's different, there's a point earlier in the film where he's, you know, complaining about immigrants and how they need to build the wall. He wears a make America great again hat, which is interesting. Um, cause I don't, cause I think the irony of him wearing it in this, uh, given what he's been through in his life, is lost on him. Because think about what that means 
to African-Americans. Right? When, when people say, make America great again, yeah, make America like it was in the sort of mid to late 20th century. You know, make America how we were when we were going to the moon or inventing the internet or doing all these other great things, right? Before, you know, before social media made everyone hateful and before we had, you know, the global financial crisis and all, make America like it was like 50, 60 years ago, right? Think about what that means to black people. Right? Make America how it was when you guys didn't have any rights. That's what that means. So why the hell would he be wearing a hat that says that? The meaning of that is totally lost on him. But I think that's a byproduct of what happened in the war. Right? He would have seen horrible things, so that's just the attitude he adopted. You know, combined with his PTSD. It's a really, really interesting character. I feel like I'm not doing the movie justice because I'm just kind of rambling and I just sort of went through the plot. I'm not able to dive dive deeply into all the meaning in that. All I can say is it's on Netflix. It's really easy to go and watch it if you've got Netflix. Granted, it is a bit long, but it is worth it. It's really, really worth it. Spike Lee is making special movies at the moment. Really, really potent special movies. Highly recommend it. I don't know if there's much else I can say. It's, it's, yeah, I, I think, yeah, right, well, watch it alone for um, Delroy Lindo's performance because it's really great. When he, when he sort of starts wandering off into the jungle at the end, they're before and after he gets bitten by the snake, he's just sort of rambling. He's, he's talking about his life and a whole bunch of different things. And he's talking right into the camera. And obviously it's humid, so he's just dripping sweat. But when he when he's sort of just rambling, he's obviously just talking to no one. Or he might be talking to someone he's imagining. But he's looking right into the camera. And it is like a five-minute stretch where like any serious actor would kill for an opportunity like that to like they're not acting with someone there's no back and forth they are just by themselves delivering dialogue to the audience and he just nails it i i love 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 when just sort of like a b grade or even you know c grade actor who's you know doesn't have a recognizable name gets a role like this and then they just blow up that is what's going to happen here. Watch this guy pop up in heaps of big movies in the next few years. Guarantee it will happen. Because he's so good in this movie. I really, I'd love to see him win an Oscar for this. Really, really great. I have nothing left. Oh, actually, I almost forgot. Let's talk about Chadwick Boseman. He, he's not in the movie as much as I would like. It's a really, really good character. He, he's got a really good grasp on the character's morals. He is a great fighter. He, you know, a great soldier, I should say. He's a great leader. He, he's a bit, 
is very sort of Christ-like, except for obviously all the killing that he does. But in terms of like his morals and the way the boys follow him, he's a bit Christ-like, I would say. Uh, and I, I think his his character has just got a really good message. Just you know, shit happens. Let's move on. Why would you want to waste time being hateful and vengeful? Let's all just love one another. And and that's shown most when um. So in one of the flashbacks, they're listening to the radio, and. So there's, there's this woman who's called Hanoi Hannah, I think, and she's in the film. She was a real uh, radio host in Vietnam. She gave broadcasts in English for the American soldiers. And they hear over the radio from her that Dr. King has been assassinated. And and when they hear that, you know, they obviously all get really riled up. They're like, oh, these, these white people, like they get really angry, especially Paul. And, and then Norman just goes, guys, it's all right. Like, what good is this going to do us? You know, would, would would Dr. King really want this? You know, he goes down that line. And it's really, really nice and important. I, and I don't know if Chadwick Boseman was working on anything else recently, given his health. I think it's unlikely. So this is probably the last film uh, he'll ever be in. I think it's a really great role to end on. What just a really beautiful way to to be sent off. Um, when Eddie dies, he's the first one to stand on a landmine. When they bury him, uh, I think it's Melvin. He says, rest in power, which is what everyone's been saying about Chadwick Boseman. And I think that is absolutely right. And I think it's a good way to end. Sorry, that was not... I hadn't, very, I hadn't put my thoughts together very well. But I just watched that movie today and I just wanted to talk about it. It's really, really excellent. So I hope you guys go out there and watch it. Hope we're all still wearing masks and being safe. Don't know if Melbourne's lockdown's going to be extended. Don't know yet what's going to be happening. Hope not, but I guess we'll wait and see. Hope everyone's... Given what I've talked about today, I hope everyone is in a good mental space. If you're not, it is absolutely okay to talk to someone. It doesn't even have to be about that. You can just talk to someone about anything. Just, you know, ask them how they're going. Then they'll ask you how you're going and see where it goes from there. Just talk to someone if you're not feeling great in this very tough time. It's been a very tough year, but I hope everyone's doing okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next time.